Welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And we are continuing our series on saving your relationship, or really it's creating, recreating your relationship, or really we should call it creating your perfect soulmate. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you might remember that the first episode we defined the relationship levels, conflict, coping, cooperation, synergy, soulmates, and we talked last week about the negatives, the, the part of us that creates, that limits the relationship and maybe even rolls it backwards. We talked about uh, controlling the other person, identifying them as the problem, the problem with that being giving our personal power away. You know, when we blame them, we basically make them God over our lives. Why? Because the, our problem is them. And if they would only change, if that's the problem, we have no power, right? And so this episode, we're going to talk about taking our power back. That's right. Because we are causal beings. Did you know that there are four, four core steps to changing? And the first is releasing negative emotion or old emotional baggage. And we talked about some of that baggage last week. The second is creating a strategy, but we're not even up to the strategy yet because to create the strategy, you need to have a positive mindset first. If you create a strategy without absorbing, slipping into being positive, the strategy is gonna have the flavor of wherever you're coming from. The third is you gotta take action. And the fourth is you need to adjust your action, right? Because you're moving towards a goal and something comes up, you go around it or you go through something unexpected. You're going to need, we never move in a perfectly straight line or very, I'll say rarely do we move in a perfectly straight line. So those are the four prerequisites for change. All right. So last week we talked about the negative emotion and I just, I just want to put in here that, uh, the releasing negative emotion, you know, this, in, you read books about this, you listen to podcasts about this, you go to video blogs about this stuff, and we make it sound like, yeah, just stop being a blaming, critical poop head, and it's all going to be good, you know, uh, but that's not that easy. Right, that first step, releasing negative emotion, that takes some work. It takes willingness. It takes a desire. It takes a decision. We should probably do an episode just on making the decision. Actually, that'll that might be the next one after this. Is how do you how do you make that decision and how do you make that shift? But the reason why we're going to talk today about positive habits is if you. There's a saying uh, in, the, in the New Testament. Uh, Jesus teaches this lesson. He says, if you exercise a demon and clean house and don't put anything in its place, that demon's gonna come back with like seven of his friends and go, look, a clean house, let's, let's move in, right? So if you're gonna kick something out that's negative, like controlling your partner, you best put something in there to take its place. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the seven caring habits that take the place of the seven negative habits we talked about last week, right? You cleaned house, you got rid of the negative, you're going to bring in the positive. 
And the positive starts from where? It starts from the premise that I am responsible for what happens in my life. Now, if my partner goes out and takes a crowbar and destroys my, uh, let's pick a nicer car today off, my Ferrari, no, my Bugatti, right? He goes out and destroys my Bugatti with a crowbar. Am I responsible for that? Ultimately, yeah. I mean, I didn't make him do it, but I contributed enough stuff to his psyche that he thought that was a good idea. I have responsibility. Did I make him do it? No. Did I contribute to his decision? Yes, I have responsibility. If somebody shoots someone on the other side of the planet, did I make that happen? No, I'm not God. Do I have responsibility? In the sense that I entertain thoughts of destruction towards other people and that I promote that kind of thinking? Yes, I do, right? So there's responsibility for what I can manage between my own ears. I'm not responsible for that person's actions, but I'm responsible for what I manage between my own ears and what those actions are a reflection of. That's the best way to put it. Okay, so in order to be a more supportive, encouraging, listening, accepting, trusting, respecting person, so that I can do those things, I can show my partner that I love and support and encourage and listen to them and accept them the way they are and trust them and respect them, so that I can have a synergistic or maybe even a soulmate level relationship. I need to have seven caring habits and I just kind of listed them. I'm going to list them out for you again. The first is being supporting. The second is being encouraging. The third is listening. The fourth is accepting. The fifth is trusting. The sixth is respecting. And the seventh is knowing how to negotiate difference. And we're gonna talk about all of those things now. Let's start with supporting. What does supporting look like? Supporting is gonna require some understanding of what they want, what they dream of for themselves. And what they hope to get accomplish in our relationship together. So if I'm gonna support someone, I need to understand and maybe even buy into what it is they're dreaming. And then hopefully I'm creating some dreams together with them. That's, and uh, there's this sort of this great story uh, of about a basketball coach. Uh, there was a, an NCAA basketball coach who was the winningest basketball coach of all time. And one of the business magazines in, interviewed him because they wanted to know what his secret was. And he said that he did this. It's really hard. The reason why 
it's hard to be a winning NCAA basketball coach or college basketball coaches. Your team is always changing rapidly, a lot faster than a professional team, right? Professional teams will hold on to some players for years and years. College basketball team, your best players are always graduating, right? They come in kind of raw as freshmen and you train them up as seniors, they graduate out. So you're always losing your best players uh, every year. And you're always bringing in really raw recruits. So what was his secret? His secret was that with every group of freshman players, he would sit down and ask them, what do you want to accomplish? And they'd say things like, oh, I want to be a better basketball player. And I really want to make you happy. And he'd say, okay, that's great. But what do you want to accomplish? Why are you in this college? What do you want to get out of life? And they would say, oh, well, I want to be an engineer. In order to do that, I need to pass this course and this course. Wow, this is really challenging. Da, 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 da. And he would make a deal with them. He'd say, what I want as your coach is I want to continue to be the winningest, the winningest coach in college basketball. And so I'm going to make a deal with you. I'm going to make sure that you take all the steps you need to to get what you want while you're in this college, the thing you know, to become an engineer. And you are going to take all the steps that I need you to take for me to be the winningest coach. How does that sound? And they'd go, awesome, because no coach had ever proposed that to him. And he did that with every player. And as a result, they had a great partnership. He supported them in their dream. And as a result, guess what? They supported him in his dream. And that's how he became the winningest coach in college basketball. So supporting is huge. And in order to support, we need to understand what the F the other person wants, really wants. Not what they say that they want, what they really want. Tell me what you want, what you really, really want, what you really, 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 really want. Coming out of supporting, once we're supporting them, what does that look like? Encouraging. And so encouraging looks like validating them. Right. Uh, this coach was good at validating. Hey, great job on that math test. That's going to take you one step closer to being an engineer or encouraging them might be, oh, coach, this math teacher is really hard and I, I don't think I can do it. Encouraging them might be, you know what? You've had tough teachers before. You can take this one also. Encouraging might be building them up, speaking confidence into them. So encouraging can be validating. But it's also going to be speaking confidence into that person. So if you want to have a, a next level relationship, you want to get into the habit of both validating and speaking confidence into your partner. In every aspect of their lives, including your partnership, by the way. Without being a condescending, patronizing, matronizing SOB, right? to do it as a peer, to encourage them as a peer. Now, if you're going to encourage them, if you're going to understand them, if you're really going to support them, what do you, what's the skill? One of the biggest skills you're going to need is going to be listening. And I don't mean that thing that I've been known to do where my partner comes home and says, oh, God, you know, this one's not billing enough. And her, the person, person I put in charge of her just isn't doing her job. Uh, da, 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 da. And I go, that's nice to hear. That might be one reaction. Or maybe I'm tired of hearing that and I go, well, why don't you do something about it, right? That's not listening. 
That's either deflecting or actually criticizing is what it is. The listening is looking for, there's something called committed listening or looping or reflective listening, depending on what school of thought you go to. And listening would be looking for one fact and one feeling and reflecting it back, letting them know that you really hear them. So for me in that example, it would be, wow, it sounds like you had a really frustrating day. It sounds like you're not getting the results that you want out of the people that you work with. She goes, yeah, that's right. And then maybe she's going to tell me some more. <laughs> My job is to keep showing you and to keep really listening and, and helping her feel heard. And I might ask a question that helps reveal something. I might not, but I'm not there to control. I'm not there to reward. I'm not there to fix. I'm not there to repair. Listening means just that, that you actually hear them. And when you're listening, it's a lot easier to encourage, right? If you really understand what their needs are, it's easier to support, it's easier to encourage. And that brings in the next one, which is accepting. Wow, accepting the other person. Uh, and what, so we'll, let's stick with my cheesy example. If I'm not in an accepting place, I'm going to be deflecting or even criticizing, right? I'm deflecting because I don't want to, I don't want to receive it. I don't want to accept it. Like you might, I don't want to hear this negative stuff right now. I'm trying to stay positive and your, your share with me is really bringing me down. So uh, that's nice dear as a way to just keep myself insulated or being critical might be, I'm feeling like crap and you look like what I'm feeling like. So I'm going to attack you because the reason why I'm feeling like crap is you are so negative right? That's not accepting. None of that is accepting. That's uh, deflecting or projecting. And nine times out of 10, if we are upset with someone, it's because we're upset with some aspect of ourselves. Nine times out of 10, if we're blaming someone, it's because there's some criticism, internal criticism of ourselves that we are seeing in the other person, right? Or another way to put it would be the world is our mirror, our mirror. All right. And what we, we can't, we can't see something in someone else that we haven't already recognized in ourselves. Do you see, you see that? Yes, you do. And so accepting isn't just about accepting them. It's about accepting ourselves. Uh, in an earlier podcast, we talked about how controlling and blaming is about not wanting to believe that we're less than perfect. We're perfect, so they're not, right? Ex not accepting is very similar. When we don't accept people as they are, when we're critical of them, when we're blaming of them, deflecting them, it's because there's some part of ourselves that we're critical of deflecting and blaming. There's an inner critic that's attacking ourselves and we just turn it on them because finally we can take the, that, that inner critic machine gun and point it at someone else. And so if you're having trouble being accepting, take a look at yourself. But the trick is to be accepting, accepting of them, flaws and all, and we all have our flaws. And when we become accepting of the other person, that can open up the door for trusting. Certainly when we're less critical of ourselves, we can trust ourselves and therefore we can trust others. Now, if you've been in a relationship where you're just turning the corner, where you just stopped the seven deadly habits and you're 
bringing in the seven caring habits, trusting might be done in small bits and pieces. It might be about validating that you can trust at first, but trusting requires, it's, we're talking about habits here. Habits, it takes 30 days to start a positive habit and 90 days to make it a regular thing. So trusting might be trusting them in little ways and letting that trust build over time. And for them, by the way, if you were showing up as a controlling SOB who was trying to change them, and all of a sudden you've dropped the negative emotion and you're filling yourself up with these seven caring habits, it may take them a little while to trust you. And out of trust comes respect. Respect for yourself, and respect for them. So respect uh, can look like giving them their space. Respect can look like they have made choices that are different than yours. Maybe you're a Democrat and they're a Republican, a public, a public hand. Isn't that the two terms that are out there? Um, I, I've had plenty of couples where they have different religious views or they have different political views and they've allowed this to get in the way of their relationship. When, in fact, when we respect difference and honor difference and honor the fact that if everyone were just like us, it would be a really boring world. Maybe that's why we always pick partners who are so different from us. If we accept that difference and challenge is where creativity and good things come from when met with caring habits then we have real possibility. Then we can move from conflict to coping or from coping to cooperation or from cooperation to synergy or from synergy to soulmates. And when we're really respecting the other person and not crossing that line into the negative habits, that's when we can start learning how to negotiate difference. Ah, you see how that works? got to respect difference before you can negotiate difference. If you're critical of it or shaming of it or afraid of it, you can't negotiate it. But when you're supportive and encouraging and listening and accepting and trusting and respecting, you now have the groundwork for negotiating difference. And all the juicy stuff in life has come out of negotiating difference. What's hip hop? Hip-hop started out as a complaint for musical exclusion and has now taken over our culture. Hip-hop started out as a complaint about class exclusion, about race exclusion, and has exploded into a success story that crosses all classes. Just an example, jazz, similarly, came out of a culture of repression, and now is considered the ultimate American expression of creativity. There are so much that comes out of negotiating difference, right? The beauty of the United States of America is we are masters at negotiating difference. The beauty of capitalism is anything that stands against it can ultimately be co-opted and made a part of it. It's also the, kind of the danger of it, but that's a whole nother, that's another podcast. So let's stick with negotiating difference. In your relationship, the, the trick 
to breaking through the relationship ceiling and going to the next level, leaving behind that crappy old relationship you didn't like and creating that new one that you want is negotiating difference. And to get there, you got these other six habits that build up to it. Make sense? And we've got a great program to help you with this. Reach out if you want to hear more about it. Rich at richinrelationship.com. Direct message me. And remember to like us. And remember to follow us. And subscribe to us, whatever platform you're on. Because there's so much more of this good stuff coming. And with that, I say have a happy tomorrow.